Hey, y'all. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Why Don't We Talk About This podcast. I'm your host, Paula McMillan Perez, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist. Speaking of being a licensed clinical social worker, it came to my attention that there isn't a lot of breakdown about the different types of credentialing and the different types of therapists that are out there. So even though I say this every week to let you know what my credentials are, it's not really common knowledge because it's not something that we talk about regularly. Like the regular lay person that doesn't have a ton of experience in the mental health realm, you're looking for a therapist, you may not know what you're looking for, you may see all these letters behind someone's name and think, oh, they must know what they're talking about because they have all of these letters. So here we go into kind of breaking down what some therapist credentials and education look like and how it can be helpful for you, especially if you are entering into a healing journey, mental health journey, therapy journey, how this information can be helpful. So surprise, surprise, I'm going to start with social work because you know I look out for my people, even though mental health practitioners are all my siblings. So for example, Most of the examples I'm going to provide are because I'm in the state of New York. And just know, even though we would like to think that each state does things similarly, they don't. So it's really important to know the guidelines for your state. Most practitioners, clinicians, however we refer to ourselves, can explain them to you if asked. But it's just not something that's common knowledge. The same way I don't know the inner workings of what it takes to become a professional baseball player or professional football player, these aren't things that regularly get talked about. So just throwing that out there. So for social workers, um, in any state, you need to obtain a master's degree. So that is usually a two-year full-time program, though some of us, uh, like myself, take the part-time route for a variety of different reasons. When you graduate, you have your MSW. There are advanced degrees as well. So sometimes social workers want to go back to school and get their doctorate. And for social work, that looks like a PhD, which emphasizes more on research, but don't take away from the other skills that they have. And also a DSW, which is a doctor of social work, which is advanced clinical practice. And it also has some research components as well. We have had both PhDs and DSWs as guests on the show. So I encourage you now to go look back at some of our previous guests and you can get a sense of where their education and experience are as a result of the credentials that are behind their name. So back to master's level social workers. So when you get your first, um, I'm sorry, when you get your degree, you have to be licensed in order to practice social work. So you take an exam, uh, which for many of us is not fun for a variety of different reasons. Test anxiety is a real thing. And then you can practice under the supervision of a higher level clinical um professional. That can be a licensed clinical social social worker, which I am right now. In other states, it's also referred to as a licensed independent clinical social worker. Um, there's also another credential in New York, um, which is LCSWR, and the R provided a psychotherapy privilege, but that actually has been discontinued in the state of New York. So if individuals have the R after the LCSW, that's dope. They could keep that. Um, but 
for the rest of us, like myself, that is not something that we can aspire to. However, that doesn't mean that we can't get a continuous support and supervision to continue to hone our craft. So for social workers, um, we have a variety of foci or focuses, as people sometimes say, um, because it is a very broad profession. But with respect to therapy, that's what clinical social workers try to focus on or master's level um, clinicians who are working on the clinical piece. They're getting their hours, things of that nature. They focus on therapy. They focus on connection to services and supports that help individuals heal, be their best self, access what they need to be successful. But in addition to this, they also seek additional specializations. Don't get me wrong, there are generalist practice social workers who have a broad range of knowledge and can treat a variety of different things. But some of us, we want a specialty or there's something that calls out to us based on our personal experience, sometimes our professional experiences. And as a result, we will seek more education and training to do that. So for example, Um, My specializations are ADHD and anxiety, mostly because those are my diagnoses. And I did not have access to the type of practitioners that I would have loved to have access to because there were fewer and far between when I first started out in my journey. And especially as a person of color, I know that there is a lack of providers that have certain specializations. So that's something that really called out to me. But there are plenty of things people specialize in, not just diagnoses. They can specialize in a specific treatment modality. So for example, DBT or dialectical behavioral therapy, that is something that I am also certified in because I feel like that's a modality that speaks highly and works very well with folks with certain diagnoses. So for those of you who may be interested in working with a practitioner, that could definitely be one of the questions that you ask in your consultation. Do you have any specializations? Do you have any advanced training? Um, What is something that, or ask rather, ask for an example of a modality? Or if you want to just use a regular everyday language, how are you going to treat me? Like, what are some of the things that you're going to do? Like, what are the practices? Don't feel like you have to use any of like this clinical language. These are things that we learn in school. Like we can have regular everyday conversations because we do it all the time. So please don't feel as though that's going to stop you from identifying who's the best person to work with you. So clearly I'm going to know much more information about social workers because it's in my wheelhouse. But thankfully, because I have such a breadth of mental health siblings, I do have some additional information to share with y'all. So mental health counselors will often also have master's degrees. So it is a higher level degree. Um, There are states where there are, they work towards a license as well, licensed mental health counselor, LMHC. And we also have licensed marriage and family therapist, LMFT. In addition, there are also doctors of marriage and family therapy, DMFT. So marriage and family therapist, even though it's in the name, Some of their specialized training speaks to marriage, couples, family therapy, things of those nature. But that does not mean that they do not treat individuals. I know several LMFTs who treat individuals and are doing amazing, but they also have a broader scope of practice. Same way I have the ability to treat couples, treat individuals who are married and treat families, but the knowledge that I have and the training that I have even though I went for additional training, is lesser because theirs is more specified. 
In addition, their main focus, same thing, is therapy. But there are some additional caveats into what that might look like because it is geared to be population specific. But again, additional training ensures that you have exactly what you need. So similar to social work, in order to practice, you need to be licensed. And if you if you need to get licensed, which you need to practice, you need to be able to pass an exam that allows you to be able to do so. And all of these professions that I'm mentioning, both past and moving forward, there also has to be a certain level of supervision, oversight, so that, yes, there are things that we learn in school, but, you know, practice makes progress. So in order to practice efficiently, hone your craft like any other profession, these are some of the things that we have to do. So similarly, um, marriage and family therapists and mental health counselors also seek specializations. Similar to social work, driven by personal experiences, professional goals or interests are how individuals seek specializations. But realistically, generalist practice practitioners are available. They have a variety of experiences in different areas. So something else that may come up depending on the state that you live in is that you may see an LPC, which is a licensed professional counselor. Same thing. They also received a master's degree. They also had to sit for a test. But similar to what I was mentioning about generalist practice, they have a broad scope in terms of various areas of counseling, whereas a mental health counselor is a little bit more specialized, which is why it's listed as such, licensed mental health counselor. So it's not to say that a licensed professional counselor or LPC cannot support you in your journey, but they have a broader scope. The same way social workers also have a broader scope in not just practice and population, which is why it is so important that any time that you are going to possibly consider working with a practitioner, whether it is a therapist or other, excuse me, or other mental health practitioner, physical health practitioner, that you do a consultation and you ask questions and you get answers that you feel comfortable with and that you feel as though it was answered in a way to help you really understand what you're gonna get from this process. I have had consultations with potential clients, with current clients who have said, I had no idea what they were talking about, or I think they were trying to impress me with what they learned in school. That's not what people want to hear. So have the conversation, ask the questions, just throwing that out there. Moving on to psychologists. So psychologists obtain, excuse me, psychologists obtain Um, a couple of different um, degrees. So they have the PhD in either clinical psychology or counseling psychology, and there is also a PsyD um, in clinical psychology. So the PsyD is actually more clinical and practice focused, but that's not to say that they don't do research because they do. However, a PhD is much higher in terms of research focus, but there's also the clinical... um, the clinical component component as well. And these folks, because these are doctoral programs, also with the DMFT that I mentioned, uh, Doctor of Marriage and Family Therapy, these folks either have to write a dissertation or a capstone as part of their qualifier to get their degree in addition to additional licensing in order to be able to practice in their state. 
So like I mentioned, more research focused, but there definitely is a therapeutic clinical work component because that's what most of us do that are therapists. But one of the significant difference though about psychologists is that many of them do neuropsychological testing and evaluation. So while there are other mental health disciplines that can provide assessments, you need to be specifically credentialed and have... um, not just credentialed, but you need to have specific training in order to do certain types of testing and evaluations. So again, part of your consultation is asking about training for specific evaluations or testing that you may have been recommended to have. Or let's say if you are working with uh, your child's school or other community-based provider and they make recommendations, you're going to want to be sure that you are getting exactly what you need, especially if you're able to find insurance to pay for it, because sometimes insurance will not reimburse for certain testing and evaluations depending on the education level or licensing level of the practitioner. So before you're out thousands of dollars, which some of these things can cost, it's really important to ask these questions. Um, Another thing to note, which isn't common knowledge, is that psychologists typically do not prescribe medication. However, there are a few states that do allow psychologists to prescribe medication, which include Colorado, New Mexico, Louisiana, Illinois, Iowa, in the U.S. military, and also Native American Health Service. So if you look up the history of this, it can provide you with additional information, but usually um, folks, they hear doctor and they make the assumption that they can prescribe medication. This is true in some specific cases with regard to psychologists. However, most other states that I did not mention specifically, psychologists do not prescribe medication. So that is definitely something to take into consideration based on what your specific needs are and what you're looking for. So in terms of psychiatrists, um, which we have heard the term shrink, head shrinker um, in the past, these are actually medical doctors. These people went to medical school. Um, But in addition to going to medical, in addition to attending medical school, they also did psychiatric residency. So that's an additional four years of school. So they were in school a good amount of years to make sure that they really kind of honed their clinical skills and psychiatrists because their medical doctors also prescribe meds. Um, so they have a very specific set of training. And as a result of that, they have a wider breadth of skill set. So uh, something that can be important to note, and this can be state-specific or region-specific, psychiatrists can provide therapy. They can have you do your 45, 60, or you know, sometimes 90-minute sessions, but sometimes psychiatrists function in the role of prescribers only. So they'll have a shorter session with you to identify how your medication is working, if you're feeling any changes, any patterns or themes that are coming up for you to make sure that you are in the right space, you are hopefully feeling the effects as they should and maybe may need some recalibration or rather fine tuning to make sure that the medication is meeting its need. 
So that's a really important thing. And unfortunately, I have heard through some previous clients and in other capacities that I've worked through that there isn't always a ton of education provided into how you can kind of go through your medication journey. So I think that's also a great question to inquire. What are some tips and tricks or hacks that I can utilize if I'm interested in exploring medication or if I'm starting medication? In addition, if you have a psychiatrist, and I'm going to speak about psychiatric nurse practitioners and mental health nurse practitioners in a moment, but if you are working with any of these individuals in addition to seeing a therapist that has other credentials like a social worker, like a mental health counselor, like a marriage and family counselor, these are also people that can help you with the journey through your medication management. Because thanks to the joys of HIPAA consents, which you and or your parent or guardian signed, these people will be talking about you in a positive way. They're going to be doing treatment plan or team or interdisciplinary meetings or whatever it's called where you go get your services just to collaborate because they're on your team and they want to make sure that you're getting the best care. So if another provider, especially someone who's prescribing you medication is involved, we want to talk about that, especially because if you have a prescriber involved in your case, they may not see you or speak to you as often as your therapist does. So a good point of that is making sure that everyone's on the same page. So that's what they do. Um, So again, these are really great questions to kind of want to come up in your consultation. And even as they continue to come up in your treatment, please ask. If you don't feel comfortable asking, that could be something that you kind of process through in your sessions. So um, going back to what I mentioned earlier, psychiatric nurse practitioners and psychiatric mental health nurse practitioners, this is also an advanced practice. So these are individuals who are nurses. So they got their bachelor's, they did get their master's, and for the most part, they went back for additional schooling. Um, So NP, which you may hear or you may hear psych NP, um, it's additional training and it also requires licensing and credentialing because as a prescriber, that's like a higher level. Like like they don't play with that, Um, nor should they because medication is a serious thing. Um, These are also individuals that, in addition to prescribing medicine, similar to psychiatrists, will also facilitate therapy. So you may be working with these folks in capacity um, of just getting medication and then working with another therapist or be doing medication management standalone. Or you may be getting all of your services from this person. So it may be your weekly or biweekly therapy as well as your medication management to make sure that you're on track with what your goals are. So I know a lot of this sounds confusing um, because it's like, oh my God, there's so many different things. Um, But this is also really important because sometimes we don't know and then we kind of get started. It's hard to kind of like navigate the journey because it's like, I don't know what I need, which is why consultations are really important. So yes, there are a bunch of letters behind people's names and this is just the first set of letters because you may see other things And those can be describing additional training or certification that people have gotten, which you may be helpful to you, or maybe you're just like, I don't care about all that. I just want to speak to a person that sounds like a person. Um, So I do encourage you to ask questions. Um, Google, but 
go a little bit deeper on Google because one of the things that we say in our professions is that we need to find not just evidence-based practice, so things that have been tried, true, and tested, but we want to get find scholarly research. We want to find things that we know are legitimate because we know from experience anything can end up on the internet. So if you're going to Google, you're going to want to look in a couple of different reputable places. And if you don't know what reputable places are, that literally could be something you Google. Like what is reputable when finding a therapist? Or how do I know my therapist has good education or training? There's a bunch of resources out there for you. Um, Feel free to reach out to us here, me and the members of my team, and we will be happy to guide you in the right direction. As always, please follow us on Instagram at Why Don't We Talk About This Pod and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any and everywhere you get your podcasts. Until next time. The Why Don't We Talk About This Podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for mental health care. It is hosted by me. Paula McMillan-Perez and produced by Fonzie Tri Media.